Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Dory. And Dom. And today is my birthday. Happy birthday! We're recording on your birthday. Yes. And I guess it's appropriate, because today I went probably the most self-indulgent I've gotten so far. (laughs) Yeah. Extremely self-indulgent. This was our present to you, Amato. It turns out, yeah, you sacrificed a lot. (laughs) It was a bad present to myself. (laughs) I thought you were going to say it was appropriate because this has put you that much closer to eventually dying. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't at all, though. (laughs) That is true. Yeah. Yeah. That it does. (laughs) All of the fan fiction. Yeah, it's it's not fan fiction. It's a fan game, but it's there's some things to talk about. It's interesting. It is King's Quest ZZT, which is a game made. In ZZT. Mm-hmm. Yes. Am I the only one who played any ZZT as a kid? You made me play some ZZT in high school, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I had no awareness of ZZT until very recently. Did you do some research in the process of having to play a ZZT game or anything? I, I kind of wish I had. Um, I mean, I had, you know, that kind of a fan, what is it, fan zine book that you lent me. That, yeah, well, that, that was, was by Boss Fight Games, right. which is like a... A little bit more established than zines, but yeah, yeah, the Boss Fight Game ZZT book. But that was my first understanding of ZZT at all, so... Okay, um, well, you know some of it then. ZZT is super interesting, mostly for two reasons. And one of which is that, like, it spawned a big community of people making fan games because it's just, like, you know thrown together based on a text editor game where it uses ASCII graphics, mm-hmm. but it has a fairly robust world editor for the time. It was from 91 with, with its own programming language. So you can do stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking at the time going through the game that this was pretty uh, unique use of very simple tools executed well. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other better games also that, you know, people made in ZZT and pushing ZZT's abilities to their limits the other reason it's interesting is because it was made by Tim Sweeney as like one of the first things that Epic Mega Games did, which sure. is later Epic Games. And so this is Tim Sweeney, who is still the CEO of Epic Games and behind mm-hmm. things like the Unreal Engine and Fortnite. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me. I, I played this together with my brother because, you know, it was more fun to have someone to play with. And he just, you know, being... Um, you know, a computer programmer and someone who's really familiar with video games and game design kept saying that it was pretty bad game design. Oh. And I don't disagree. It's bad game design. Yes. And it was just interesting to me because in my mind, I wanted to make a lot of excuses for the languages and the platforms that were available at the time. But realistically, they could have done better. So it's, I'm wondering kind of like, how this came to be an, an interesting or popular thing. Yeah, we'll get around to that. Okay. I, I guess just going straight into it, you know, we try to be kind on the show. We try not to describe things as being like, oh, this is really bad. So yeah. let's just say that this is plus ungood, shall we? <laughs> I'm not going to go as far as double plus ungood. Oh, no, no, no. Not quite that far, no. No. Never. But I think it's more than just ungood. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're all in agreement about the quality of this this work. Plus ungood, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So the thing is, 
you know, I did a whole lot of ZZT as a kid. Like, I wasn't part of the community, you know. I never mm-hmm. posted a level. I did work on a world based on my stuffed animal, Mr. Bun, for some time. And the yeah. file is now long since lost. Um, it, was oh. on a, it was on, like, a, you know, a floppy disk that degraded. Right. Never was able to find another working copy. Now, was there a ZZT community? Yes, that, there was. Like, so people who were doing ZZT were kind of, like, all part of the same community or yeah. I in mean, general? They were in conversation. They formed groups. They had forums. You know, it was mm-hmm. all that. I mean, later on. Mm-hmm. Earlier on, I feel like when I first encountered ZZT, it was on the AOL game section. And it's just, like, they were the only things that were free and, like, easy to download. Because mm-hmm. they're each, like, you know, 50 kilobytes i don't know something that you could actually download on aol sure. dial-up back in the day before somebody calls your house and you have to do it over again that's right yeah. <laughs> and then in the process you know for people like me who are not super familiar with uh game designer programming or anything is ZZT quantified as like uh, a platform to create games or a language a programming language or like how does uh, it work it's a platform for creating games there is I a see. programming language in it called ZZT Oop. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you use to dictate the behavior of what of an object mm-hmm. in the game. And an object is just anything that wasn't kind of hard-coded into the game with its behavior see. intact. And Tim Sweeney did not intend for people to use this engine to the extent that they did. It's kind of weird because this is actually very a lot closer to the, the worlds that Tim Sweeney made than a lot of more interesting ZZT games are. Mm. So ZZT um, is a game design engine. much more engine. straightforward. Yeah, well, in yeah. a sense. Okay. Just from playing it, you can probably tell that like there's a whole lot of things hard-coded into it that you just kind of have to roll with if you're mm-hmm. trying to make a game mm-hmm. in it. Well, it came with a game or something, right? It came with a world. The idea was it was shareware and you would like order the other worlds that Tim Sweeney made. Right. Mm-hmm. But it also had a world editor. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like Neverwinter Nights sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Where you, yeah. You had a main sure. campaign. <clears throat> than a robust editor that people right. spend a lot of time on. And just like Neverwinter Nights, there's a lot you can do with the programming, with like the editor, mm-hmm. but there's yes. also a lot that just, this is how Neverwinter Nights works. Right. You cannot change this. Right. Um, now, I remembered several games that I played back in the day that were based on something. I remember playing this series of very strange Yoshi-based games and that sort of thing. So I was like, oh, it'd be cool to like go back and play one of those games that was, you know, fan game, right? And... I tried to pick a good one, but the, I feel like the reasons that King's Quest CZT are remembered are not because it was good. It's more like hmm. on the... Well, for one thing, it's the first game created by Interactive Fantasies, which was a kind of really well-known ZZT, quote, company, unquote, mm-hmm. where a ZZT company is a bunch of ZZT world makers who c- came together and published under a label to make it kind of feel like it was something that was a big deal, even though it wasn't. So it's like a club circle? Just a club circle, yeah. Publishing yeah, circle, whatever. And it was the first game that Interactive Fantasies did. They did some better games later. Well, there was um, advertisements for different games in this game. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. They This is like the first one they programmed, apparently, but they didn't release it until a little bit later when they would made a few other games. There's a catalog of a few other games? A catalog, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's so pretentious. I mean, I, I say that with fondness. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, but I also thought it must be good because when I was poking around, like it's mentioned on the King's Quest wiki and ah, the, interesting. the, the people behind the silver lining, which is the really good King's Quest fan game. That's like a fan sequel mm-hmm. from like 2010. 
like they they make reference to the, the conflict between the centaurs and the ogres in some like peripheral little piece of fan fiction that they wrote on their blog. And so I was like, oh, if anybody remembers this, then probably there was something like, you know, memorable about it. Mm. And there are some things memorable about it. We'll get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, by the way, how much did you two have to grapple with just getting ZZP to work? Was it... I mean, it, it runs in DOSBox, but, like, did you have any problems? <laughs> I had that uh, web page that said how to set up doc, DOSBox, and I set all my folder names to the same folders they set it there, so mm-hmm. I just copied um, their tutorial every time. <laughs> yeah. No, I just ran it in the online emulator. The online oh. emulator didn't work for me. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, I just had to do... But, oh. but installing DOSBox is so trivial. Yeah, I, I mean, mentioned it just was easier. But... There was a time in my life where I kept our old, you know, desktop computer in the garage... Because I was like, what if I want to run all those old DOS games that don't work properly on this, like, you know, mm-hmm. Windows 95 machine or whatever. And now yeah. our computers are so powerful that we can just run an instance of my old computer trivially <laughs> using I a know. tiny, tiny fraction as, like, a little box inside, you know, the computer. You could probably run it on your watch if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because my watch is really old. Well, no, I'm an actual person's watch. Oh, yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> I wouldn't want to play ZZT on a watch, though. No. I don't have a watch, but anyway... Um, I would want to like, okay, for me, and maybe this is just me, but I, I'm wondering if, you know, whatever we want to do and say first, but can we talk about like our early experiences with King's Quest? We need, that's the next thing we need to do. Okay. Just saying, um, um, I know this is kind of like a different thing for us to do doing a game. So we've got a lot of things to talk about. Theoretically King's Quest fan work. It is. So we need to talk about King's Quest. Yes. Tell us about King's Quest. I love King's Quest. (laughs) Oh my god. I started playing, like, I haven't played 3, and this game is a direct sequel of 3, the ZZT is, but I started with 5, watching my dad play 5 when I was very small, like maybe 4 or 5 years old, watching him play all of these King's Quest games, you know, up through, I think, well, 8 was the awful 3d one that wasn't done by roberta williams Mask and of was eternity yeah really bad but anyway i still played that one um and i love torrens passage like that's probably my still maybe my favorite ever game like the sierra games done by roberta williams i think are brilliant and i think king's quest 7 with the queen and the princess and then torrens passage are probably my favorite all-time games so it was kind of delightful to have someone like try to do a king's quest flavor i don't know if they did it very well oh i i know um (laughs) they didn't yeah they kind of did like i mean we'll get into it they kind of did a D &D thing and that's fine but i like the idea that someone liked king's quest and they wanted to do it um anyway i guess you could say i'm a king's quest mega fan so i i kind of wish i had more opportunity to play one, two, three, and four, actually. I might go back and try. I've definitely never played any of those early games, but I watched LPs of at least the first few, which I think you did too, Dom. Yeah, I've watched, I've watched LPs of the first mm-hmm. three or, or so from, from game, game Grumps and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've played part of one that I borrowed from you. Probably six. The, that was the fairy tale one? Six is the islands one with the fairy tales, yeah. yeah. Tickets, next. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> one. Oh, so you remember dying repeatedly. That's the King's Quest experience, King's yes. King's Quest. Right. Yeah. Oh, that, no, yeah, that's the flavor of King's Quest. And there were certain points in this game where I felt like, oh, they, they said something about you dying, or it's like, oh, it's inevitable you would die. 
But unfortunately, this game didn't make it inevitable that you would die. They just made it silly. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't have a cute quip every time you die in a no, different way, true. which is the most important part of dying it in really King's Quest. It really is. It's like, you should die many, many times, but there should always be a quip. And you should always be able to be like, I learned from my death, and What's now that? I won't do something so stupid. This game did an interesting thing where you had a choice to knock on the door of the ogres mm-hmm. or break it down. And in my mind, I was like, well, breaking it down is going to make more noise than knocking on it, so we should try knocking on it. The game quipped, oh, well, that was stupid. You should have knocked on their door. And I was like, well, that's a good quip had you given me a better choice. I think if I would have done this back in the day, my design document would have been first a list of ways to die, Mm. (laughs) along with that harangue, along with those quips, and then a game built around that. (laughs) Would have been better for King's Quest flavor. Agreed. Well, King... King's Quest VI was my jam, and like that's the first mm-hmm. game I played, and uh, King, first King's Quest game I played. Mm-hmm. But it was a really good game. It's a, it's definitely the first game I played that was fully voice acted, and the voice acting was pretty good. Yeah, oh, yeah, and yeah. that was like one of the things about that game that was really impressive. Um, totally. But also, got been one of the earlier adventure games that I played. I really liked that game. It was hard for me to go back to five <laughs> from that. We tried playing sure, five. Sure. It was tough. It was weird for me having borrowed it, borrowed it from you that this was like the first game that had death and so much of it <laughs> so much yeah. death. so random yeah. and the, the, the just cruel <laughs> yeah i do remember that we were trying to figure it out um because my older sister and ashton and i played it together and i was trying to figure it out and actually eventually like printed up the whole walkthrough and it was like a big like yeah. stack of paper <laughs> mm-hmm. in, order, we, in order to do everything right we definitely had to use some kind of early online walkthroughs especially for the good ending right oh yeah uh, um like the internet? Yeah. You had the internet when you played King's Quest Six. Yeah. Wow. At least AOL. I don't I remember. Played it there was something. Late. Yeah, I, 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 mean, we I definitely played it late because I played it after. Online. Yeah, we we didn't have the internet in my home until like nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. Let me think. Um, we had it before you did. Oh. We had Prodigy, then we had AOL, then we had something okay. that wasn't AOL. But yeah, we for played King's Quest in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them. So, yeah, we definitely played all the King's Quest games we could far before we had the internet. Uh, and Torrent's Passage as well, which still, I will say, is my favorite. I, it's it's hard because, you know, you're always being like, the King's Quest games, that's a saga, but it's like Torrent's Passage is amazing. I've never played so. Torrent's Passage. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a Sierra game by Roberta Williams. Okay, it's that's probably really basically good. Basically, King's Quest is just not a King's Quest game. It's incredible. It's fine. Um, I love it. Yeah, the King's Quest world is there's nothing special about it. It doesn't really yeah. matter. Well, Torrance Passage doesn't take place in the King's Quest world. That's but what I mean. It's like oops, that's that's fine. Yeah, that's what's fantastic about Torrance Passage. I'm just gonna break it down because everyone needs to know. Takes place in a world where like Torin is your main character, and, and the passage is your other character. No. <laughs> No, it's a possession they have. It's Torrance Passage. Oh. oh my gosh. And Torrance probably is... dies, which is also why it's called Torrance Passage. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I assume Torrance dies repeatedly, right? Because it's a <laughs> well, yeah, Robert definitely. Williams adventure uh, game. I mean, you know, it's basically a King's Swiss game, but you're Torrance, you're just like a nobody. You're not like a prince or king or a queen or a princess. But anyway, yeah, the whole thing is that you have to descend through the layers of the world to find your mother eventually. And it, there's like a lot of complicated emotional stuff. But literally, like, you're descending from the outside layer of this planet, like, down through the different levels, and they all have a different flavor. It's, like, an extremely well-done game, especially for, like, you know, an early 90s game. And I highly recommend. All right. Speaking of... Speaking of... There's this game, which (laughs) is less good. 
And when, speaking when, of being a prince or a king. Yeah, when was this game um, put out? That's a good question. ZZT came out in 91. I think it took a while for the community to get going because interactive, interactive fantasies was a staple for a while. But this game came out to October 97. Hmm. Oh. It was made July 97. So was that post King's Quest 7? It was post King's Quest 7. The very first thing that happens in this is that oh, Valeria and what's-her-name got yeah. came back and we're celebrating. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make sense because Alexander is hanging around the palace oh. and, like, he shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, no, this takes place post-King's Quest Three, right? Well, definitely, but it also takes place post-King's Quest Seven, right? I because, guess. Because they're celebrating the Queen and Princess getting back. That's the first thing. Oh, and, and I didn't seven, even pick up on that. And Seven had come out at that time. Yes, it had. Um, but anyway... You're controlling Prince Alexander. And as a King's Quest VI fan, I'm like, yeah, Alexander. Of course. Not that it really matters that yeah. you're controlling Alexander. Well, but, you know. You know. I mean, this this seemed like it came out right after King's Quest Three, right? No. Oh, sorry. You 97. Said, you said it was 97. Sorry. Yeah, no. But, but they were trying to make it a direct... They, yeah. I'm it, so it's, confused. It's mostly a sequel to three, right? Because you're Alexander, right. and what matters is the stuff that happened to Alexander in three, like right. being apprenticed to an evil wizard and escaping mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. turning that wizard into a cat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, what does not matter is what happened to Alexander in King's Quest Six, my favorite game, such as becoming the new, like, prince right. regent of a different country but across that, the world. But that yeah. doesn't seem to have happened. It's not referenced ever, so I guess not. Yeah, and... Sorry, you're Princess. Right. Kas- what's your name? Casima. Casima. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Could be. That could be. Yeah. yeah. You're right that you were talking about the queen and the the princess coming back, but like I didn't, guess I didn't pick up on that. Like I kind of felt it, like it was supposed to be a direct three sequel because of all the references to three. I mean, maybe but the you're four right. sequel because you were yeah. controlling Rosa Rosalie. <laughs> it's been a while. Rosalina? Roselia. Roselia. Roselia? No, Rosella? You're controlling Princess what, Peach. What is her name? Oh my gosh. Now I'm going to forget. Queen Daisy. <laughs> okay, whatever. So you are, you know, uh, Graham's son. Graham's the original protagonist thing. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is, like, he's fallen sick and you've got to save him before you can go deal with another problem. It's all just kind of laid out right for you at the very beginning. Yeah, first thing, Graham gets sick. Second thing, you get Graham's hat. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what happens. It's essential. I mean, you actually have to do it. And so so the thing is, it's very easy to describe the order of events in this game. Well, and that's like, one of the big problems. Because like, I, I had good hopes going in, because the first thing that happens was they give you like a little intro. Mm-hmm. Then you start the game, uh, Graham's sick, they tell you you need to go get it. You talk to Rosella, and you get Graham's hat. Then you look into a mirror, and you get points. I was like, yeah, all right, yeah. that's the flavor. <laughs> I appreciate those times where, like, you know, the point system in King's Quest is just as useless as any other point system in a video game. Mm-hmm. But they did that in King's Quest, too. Like, you got points for, like, doing everything or doing things the best way or whatever. You got, you got that chime, then right. some points went up. Like, yeah, I did it. You did something good. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I was expecting a lot more of that kind of thing where it's like, investigate, do some things, get points, even if it's not, like, directly useful. Yeah, so, like, after that, I was bumping up against everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, in King's Quest, you have to move into things to interact with them almost all the time. In ZZT? Sorry, in not King's Quest. In ZZT. In ZZT. In the ZZT engine. In King's Quest, that's going to get you killed. <laughs> that's very true. But what I was saying is that it's easy to describe this game in order of, like, the series of things that happens. And that's a problem. That's one of the main problems 
is that there's only ever one thing that you need to do at a time in order. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. in a King's Quest game, usually you can poke around and pick up yes. random stuff and like, you know, make a little progress at a puzzle and get stuck well, and go wander off into another puzzle. And that's just not there in this game. It's actually hilariously bad yeah, in terms of game design in terms of yeah. that because if you literally don't do what the designers intended you to do at any given moment, you will be completely stuck later on and you have get to start the game yeah. over. Yeah. Like in almost every single turn. And that basically is you have to approach the game with the logic of if anyone offers you to do something, to trade with them, to do anything, that is the thing you to do. must do it right away or you will be screwed for the rest of the game. And that is just ridiculous. Like, well, that is really the worst game design I can imagine. It's like, especially in terms of a King's Quest game where you're supposed to explore. There's supposed to be danger, but you're supposed to explore the opportunities. Uh, progression bugs aside, there are actually actually a lot of games that are just as railroaded, but they do better because they do better environment, better stories, mm-hmm. better interactions. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, you take... Um, uh, Telltale's first season of Walking Dead. That yeah. story is a complete straight line, but it's still a good piece of storytelling and a good video game because of how, how the story goes, how it makes you feel, and how it how it unfolds. Sure. Yeah. And so, the, I, so, I actually, so just something being A, B, C isn't bad game design. Yeah. No, that's actually a good point. And I do think we should backtrack because in terms of this, when you start the story, you're thinking King's Quest is easy to So you're thinking this is going to be like a King's Quest game. Yeah. Um, The first thing you do is you walk through a series, like before the game even starts, you have a series of rooms that explain different things to you. There, one is items and one is races. And there's halflings and gnomes and centaurs and ogres and humans and elves, and basically. And a, and a red dragon, which is in the enemies, yeah. And so you're basically being like, this is a D&D campaign. Like, none, King's Quest doesn't have those things. King's no. Quest this would have gnomes. D&D. King's Quest could have centaurs. It King's could, Quest would not have halflings but... or... Uh, D&D elves, yeah, probably. Like it, it could have some fantasy creatures. That's fine. But this is like definitely a D&D campaign yeah. when you have it all laid out in front of you. So when you get that flavor, I feel like you kind of get the idea, oh, this isn't really King's Quest. This is more like some DM's campaign. It's a- and when you walk out there, I feel like that changes a lot of how you perceive it. So that helps you to understand where they're coming from. I don't think it rectifies a lot for me. But it does feel like you're trying to make a, a King's Quest game with only D&D figurines. Yes. <laughs> and it's pretty silly because uh, the random monsters you encounter, you can easily just walk around them. If you want to maximize points, you yeah. should shoot arrows it's, at them. It's but... actually really funny seeing a seeing someone use the built-in ZZT enemies like that. Because mm-hmm. like later game designers would not. This is kind of... This feels like it's at a threshold where people were really pushing the ZZT engine in some ways, mm. but not really figuring out what they wanted to do with it. And, yeah. I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time on the plot because it, it doesn't really matter. We can jump around the story. It's I saw a lot of this as a you know ZZT person who knows ZZT. There was a lot of this where they were doing things that were actually technically non-trivial like and possibly even impressive for the time like the RPG fight engine, mm-hmm. just programming that in ZZT is a real pain. Sure. Yeah. And like they that was they good. put a lot of effort into it. It's just it's not a it's not good gameplay once you're done with it, but it's like you see the effort. There's all these other random things they do sometimes. Like at one point when you're traveling from one place to another, they have this like cutscene map 
And I was yeah. like, oh, that was a cute thing to do with the engine. And they have, right. they have, they have other cutscenes as well, like the huge, you know, ASCII, uh, like ASCII, what do you call it, 8-bit dragon. The dragon was scene. really cool looking. Like, so, and I'm, I'm glad I made the choice to quit my save and go back and see what the dragon would offer me because when you cross this boulder you can't cross back over it Mm -hmm. so i actually chose to quit the game to see what the dragon would do knowing it would kill me because the game tells you in the first part that it's going to kill you yeah but i wanted to see it so but without a clever quip again it's a problem yeah anyway so it seemed very much like the first game of some fairly ambitious ezt game creators where they were very focused on what can we do rather than what should we do in this game. Yeah, I feel like they were working on on the back end a lot more than the presentation side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, th- there was a lot of fun, like, ASCII art, and, like, map- a lot of boards were well-drawn yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Some of them. But then there were just, like, things where it's, like, for, you know, okay, so CZT game design. You're stuck with the size of the screen. Mm-hmm. The screen's always going to be that size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's two things you can do with it if you're making a good ZZT game, right? You can either fill it up with a lot of interesting things, or you can make it smaller. You can, like, make a border and only have, like, if you're not, if you're using passages rather than moving off the side of the, the board, especially, you have a lot of freedom. You can make it a smaller space than that if you don't have much to put in it. Yeah. And this game not only doesn't do either of those things, some of the time it leans into... I'm just going to make you cross a full ZZT board to get to the next place. Or even worse, I'm going to make you cross three of them. And, like, it's just... There's... It's just there to annoy you. Like There's actually this part where you have to go through a long tunnel to get to the center of the village. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes, and the author's... uh, There's an author's comment on each new screen, which is, this is boring, right? I'm, you know, this is taking so long. Ha ha, this is boring. And it's like, I was like, I appreciate that flavor Mm -hmm. if the other paths you went through weren't just equally as boring, just not as narrow. They're all just as boring. Walking through every screen is boring. So, like, the author being like, ha ha, this is boring. I'm like, it's not more boring than anything else you've made me do. Like walking back through the mountain passageway after you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they really do that. I was like, surely they're just going to give me a shortcut. No. Because, like, I I refuse to use a torch on this, too. (laughs) So I I was trying to fumble my way through blind. Oh, I I just did the... I mean, once you kill all the monsters, you can go through it. I just did the cheat code that I know about that you don't, because I'm used to ZZT, to remove (laughs) the darkness. Oh, I mean, that's fine. Actually, you know... I, d- I know we haven't really decided like how we want to talk about this as a plot, I don't, but we're mostly talking about it as a game. Mm-hmm. And in terms of it being a game, the most fun I had as a game was when I had to light torches mm. in the mountain passageway to see the enemies, to shoot them as I was going through the path. Because there was actually an element of peril. It was like, oh yeah, there's like a bunch of enemies. I'm on a narrow path. I must shoot them in the right direction. And as soon as my torch runs out, I can't see them at all. And I have to light a new torch. That was the only time I felt like it was a game. Like I felt like a sense of like stress. Like I might die because this is a game that I'm not playing to the best of my ability. Was that a common thing in ZZT, the torch mechanics? That is one of the mechanics built into the game. It's there if you want to use it. And so some games use it and a lot of games would never ever touch such a thing because darkness is kind of annoying. And you have to account for it and account for torches if you're going to use it. So anyway, yes and no. That was the only time I felt like it was a game, though. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about it as a story because yeah, let's do I was expecting there to be more King's Quest, you know, fan playing around with it. It's but really for the first not. part of the game, there's not much. No. But it actually made me really happy when, like, you reach a point later on where you're 
you know, you're Alexander, and you're back at the cottage of the evil wizard who, you know, enslaved you, like, mm-hmm. as a servant in, you know, King's Quest Three, which was the first game where you played as Alexander. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, for one thing, I recognize it. It's like they recreated it in ASCII, and they did it <laughs> in a few other places, like, locations, but I care less about the castle or whatever. Yeah. But you, you revisit a few areas that, in theory, you've been to in other games. But that's like, hey, that's the... The really annoying mountain pass that you have to carefully navigate through yes. that I watched someone do in an LP. And what's more, yes, it will kill you if you take a wrong <laughs> step, just like yeah. in King's Quest 3. And, like, it made me happy as a King's Quest fan thing to see that re-implemented. And then you get to the top and it's like, oh, there's the chicken coop. Like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the, you know. And the chickens are dead because no one's fed them. Because <laughs> you left. <laughs> exactly. And then one of them has a key. Yeah, so, well, you whatever, know, at least yeah. they're relevant. Well, but that's kind of part of it, though, is, like, you get that flair, but then you also get your, your tool. And so there's those moments of, like, it being a really cute fan work, like, fan game of re-implementing, returning. But then, of course, you, like, you run into the wizard. You know, what's his name? Man. Menomina. Menomina. <laughs> the wizard Menomina. And for one thing, it's like, oh, yeah, I turned you into a cat. No explanation as to why he's back. He's a man and a... Mm. And for another thing, <laughs> oh, it would be interesting to see, like... Ma- Mananan. Like, you know, you don't actually get to ever hear these names like right. in Express 3, do, do, do. so... Yeah. Mananan. But the other thing is that then you would expect something from, like, full-grown Alexander and this wizard mm-hmm. and some kind of, sure. like, back and forth or, like, conflict oh, or, like, needing like... to join forces <laughs> or trick him or, I don't know, something. You get, you get into a fight with him and you stab him with a sword until he dies. That's what well, you do. Technically, you hit him with a fireball and then a battle axe if you really want to win the Where was the battle axe? I never picked that up. Oh, you just buy it you in the shop. It. Oh, I just didn't check the shop. And that was another thing that's not great about this is you just buy items. It's not a King's Quest-y thing. To you find the sword. Yeah, you yeah. find the sword. That's oh, one thing. But you don't like, trade the sword for a bucket and then use the chicken with a pulley in it down a <laughs> no, rope. No, you really don't And then do turn anything. him into a cat. Yeah. By yeah. the way, speaking of the sword... The first time you hear of a sword mm-hmm. is you are literally a prince in a palace. You walk by like 13 decora- decorative shields and you see some guards also armed. And they say, by the way, I heard someone left a sword in the desert. You should go <laughs> look for that. And they don't say who. They don't say why. They don't say if the sword is special. There's like they don't give one you a sword. guy left. Yeah, they don't give you a sword. They say someone might have dropped a sword in the desert. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess that's the only sword in the world, and I have to go in the desert and get it. This is a common problem with the flavor of this game is there's none. It's like, someone dropped a sword somewhere. You should find that. It's like, that makes no fucking sense. Okay, my headcanon is that they were out on exercise in the, in the desert and dropped their sword, didn't realize it until they came back. Then they saw Prince Alex and thought, hmm, you know, I bet they could get it for us. <laughs> And that way we don't have to tell our superior we lost our, our weapons. <laughs> Great headcanon. You should write a fanfic. The flavor should be in the text. It would take so little effort to be like, this is somehow a special sword, and you must find it, and it was lost in the desert for like a special reason. Instead, it's just like, some guy left a sword somewhere. Uh, I guess you want that. Like, why would I want that? Why is it special? <laughs> Why would you know if some random dude dropped a random sword in the desert? And why would I search the entire desert for some random dude's random sword? Okay, I'm done. So I'd like to just like cut in here, <laughs> apropos of nothing, as a ZZT fan. Because I want you two to understand a couple of things. Mm-hmm. For, first, as a ZZT, ZZT fan, I want you to know that 
there's much better, more interesting, better written, <laughs> better executed CCT games. Mm-hmm. I also want you to understand there are infinitely worse CCT games, any number of them. This, you know, this is a bad game, but like there was effort put in and it was kind of early in the game writing career. You know, there's, there's mitigating factors and there is a game. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. there's, you know, obviously if you have a... a a world creation engine anyone can make anything and post anything sure. you got some real crap and this is one that had triggers that worked <laughs> yes it, it, yeah. the game, the game more of. or less works even though i don't really get how you're supposed Honestly, to do the rpg fights as intended without spamming them i don't know are you supposed to spam you, you, have, to. Okay, you have to spam um point being though like this game only works if you know what the creator is intended for you to do yeah and that is actually easy to know because, because if it's, anyone asks you to do anything, anything you can't you, do, you need to do yes, it. Yes, you need to do it. But the problem is, is that there are times when the author provides flavor, and those are in terms of, hey, would you like to trade your wings for some poison? I look shady, and you're like, yeah, like as a real human, I would not want to do that because the wings and are so awesome. You don't, and, and also, then you're screwed. And also, as a like, person- but you're supposed to do that. But there's no reason you would ever <laughs> want to do that. It's like. It's like you should choose flavor. Don't put your flavor, your limited flavor, and your like relevant game choices together. If that's gonna lead the player in the wrong direction, is what I think. But also as a King's Quest, but also as a King's Quest pastiche, someone offering you something for poison it seems like an obvious way to die. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or at least lock yourself out of the good ending. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why I thought that's a bad idea. And actually, it's the only way to get through the game. And not only the only way to get through the game, but if you teleport to the last scene and you Without haven't done, done that, that, you're screwed. Right. You can't go back and you're screwed, which is what happened to me. Yeah, you need to poison an so army of seven people. Yeah. <laughs> and you have, yeah, like you can't walk into the, the barracks and like shoot fireball at them or do anything. You literally just have to put poison in their water supply and that's your only option. That's not an army. That's like a. It's also six people. Not yeah. Even not a battalion, I think. But I've got to say, in King's Quest terms, that's a lot of people. That's well, a lot of people. Yeah. You rarely they, see that many people in King's Quest game at one place. Yeah, they yeah. at least <laughs> specify it's like army of six super powerful soldiers. They say something about how they're that? super powerful. Yeah. Okay. Only after you poison them. But point being is that, (laughs) like, why would I have poisoned them in the first place? Like, the only reason I needed to do that was from the walkthrough. And I had to walk all the way back to the game from the start once I'd flown there without poison. But there's no reason to trade your wings for poison from, like, a very shady dude that you just met. Okay. Like, If you you try to walk uh, into the barracks without poison. Everyone knows. If you try to walk into the barracks without poisoning, the door tells you to kill them somehow (laughs) yeah exactly but i'm like i can cast like a cone of cold and fireball like i could fight them like why all those classic king's quest spells (laughs) i mean i I do appreciate the through line that like alexander can do a little magic but usually what that means is alexander is reading from a spell book and he can do that Mm -hmm. like that's how he normally does sort of yeah like and, and you know it's a ritual thing like you need this this and this and then you make a hole in the wall or whatever yeah anyway we can harp on individual things well enough there's not much else to say about the plot though um like there's this thing with the centaurs and the ogres, which I thought was going to be, like, interesting. Because the centaurs are like, right. the ogres like to eat us, and then you have to go to the ogre village. And I was like, oh, do we have to resolve this conflict somehow? No, I mean, you have to kill an ogre, but that's about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, like, the game just pretty much routes you in the direction of having to, like, fight things, even if it doesn't give you, like, a good or clear reason. But you do it. I did like the little um, husky drawings of the centaurs. I liked yeah, how they made the those centaurs. Are, yeah, the centaurs were pretty good. It was good. charming. Actually, when I was talking to the centaurs, because they're about three bricks high on the, mm-hmm. you know, the the three pixels high or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I kept going to the center of them. My brother was like, why are you talking to their chest and not their face? <laughs> so then I made a habit of, like, walking all the way up to their face. Because your, your whole, um, your sprite is also just a face. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the centaurs have, like, a whole horse body and a face. So I made a habit of going up to their faces. That's one of the things in CZT, by the way, is that there's no way to make your character not be character two white on blue. That's, <laughs> that's the name of it. Yeah. Which is a little, little smiley face. Weird little face that moves around the board. Yeah. So, Tori, yeah. you read the the boss fight games, you know, yes. book about CZT. And yeah. one of the things it mentions is Alexis, Alexis jo- Johnson. What's what's her last name? Um, Jansen. Uh, Alexis Jansen. Making this sequel to CZT, spiritual sequel, because, you know, it didn't have the rights, called Megazooks. And Megazooks does, like, a lot of the things that you would expect from a sequel to CZT from someone in the fan community. Like, you can change your... You can change, you can even change the ASCII set. You don't have to use ASCII. It's all like on a grid in the same way, but you can like redraw things. You can change the size of boards. You can, you know, do all that sort of different things. You can change what shows up on the menu so it's not always ammo, torches, and gems, no matter what game you're doing. Anyway. Speaking of, I do have a lot of admiration for like ZZT, actually having read that and like understanding the community too that must have gone into this. Like, creation of worlds and like fan communities that wanted to do their own things Mm -hmm. it's almost like its own like a microcosm of fan fiction but just in a kind of like well it's more like uh amateur writing group right i mean they're they're using this medium and everybody is using the same medium and they're making things with it and some of those things are like really cool or at least impressive for I mean, what they're working with. It is impressive to me. And this is like when my brother was saying this is like really bad game design, I totally agree. But like I kept being impressed by the fact that someone put so much effort yeah, into like I said, the, the creating this whole and story it, in this world. And nonetheless, I'm still confused whether this is supposed to be King's Quest fan fiction or D&D, but <laughs> it, it kind of mixes itself up. But... They really tried to create a whole story and a, and a whole game here. By the way, I never actually mentioned the authors, but this was by two people. Hydra, who was uh, who did a lot of other games, including other fanfic games like Indiana Jones, and apparently Hydra's neighbor, Mebo, mm-hmm. M-E-B-O, who did not do as much other stuff. Mebo's not a name I recognize so much from the King's Quest community like Hydra. Oh, they worked on a Quest for Glory game, too. Mm. I mean, you know, ZZT. Mm-hmm. Quest for Glory was good, too. Did you play Quest for Glory? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was another of the Quest series, like King's Quest. But, really? Yeah. Was it done by Roberta Williams? It was not done by Roberta Williams, but it was the same company. So it was Sierra. Sierra. Yeah. I mean, I love Sierra games, but yeah. Wait, like, was it done by Roberta Williams? I, no. She was basically their main game designer. Like The thing about Quest for Glory is that like it had combat. Quest for Glory. Like, it, was, it was more like this. Um, Quest for Glory. I played a lot of Quest for Glory 3? I want to say, no. They were by other people with Sierra. Oh. Interesting. I'm actually 
surprisingly, I never played those because, you know, Sierra games were so big in my household. Mm-hmm. But they were mostly they were Berta Williams games. So Yeah, I mean, they were good. I, I mean, I played three a lot. Yeah. It was really good. Great. I, I'm going to check this out. I, you know, big <laughs> I think there's fan, remakes so. of some of them or fan remakes or something like that. Anyway. Uh, anyway, there's not a whole lot to say about King's Quest CZT. It's... Well, it it has a lot of problems. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about those problems for a moment longer, other than the wing trading for poison thing. <laughs> right. And then we'll end on praise. Okay. Um, I, I'm not sure if we fully covered, like, the uh, the actual plot of it also. Either, I, but there's nothing to say. It, there's not much, right? It's like you have to save your father who's passed out, and then you go to a gnome, and you get a potion, and the potion says... Okay, it heals everything or something. Yeah. And then you seal. And then you have to go fight. You have the to cat. wear the hat so he knows that you're Graham's yeah. son. You're right. There's no plot. <laughs> I, I'm moving on. So, so, okay, so that's the problem. That is a fundamental problem, is that the effort was put into reasonably impressive graphical and mechanical things instead of flavor, gameplay, or dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And that is a problem. The gameplay was what I didn't like about it. It was more. Hack and slash, collect gold, buy weapons, then it was King Quest. But it's not even an engaging, like, cycle of that or not anything. Even, no. That, that, yeah, it wasn't even a thing. Like, it wasn't even transformative as a work. It was just a bad work. I didn't even buy anything in the game. So, like, yeah. clearly that wasn't necessary. Huh. Are there any other complaints? I'm glad neither of you two are, like, we're, like, thrown off by the ZZT <laughs> engine and appearance enough to, like, not be no. able to play the game or anything. I have some I mean, that's muscle not a memory to me. mm-hmm. back in the day. Oh, my muscle memory is as soon as the game pops up, I'm KC, enter W. Mm-hmm. Which is like, keyboard, color, skip the introductory text yep. box, yeah. open the worlds. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, it's like one movement. No, I actually think that the ZCT engine is pretty good. Um, there's a little bit of lag with my keyboard. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's common, but... Um, I think it was just, there's lag from the system. Yeah, I think that's bit. usually the case. And I didn't mind that, honestly. That's not a big deal. Might have been the, um, the web version also. It might have been the web oh, version. Yeah. It, it really doesn't bother me either way. That's the only mechanical issue, the ZZT format. Totally fine. My my main issue, like I said, is that this doesn't feel like King's Quest. Like, mm. they tried. There were moments where they wanted to give you a little flavor, like you knocked on the orc store. That was a bad mistake, but they didn't give you a better option, so it felt silly. You ran into a dragon and died. That was actually my favorite part. It was like, why would you go to the dragon? The signpost literally told you not to go to the dragon. You died. Let's think but just for I a moment. But I wish they'd come up with something clever or witty. If there was just like yeah. a moment of clever or witty, I would have been so much happier. Let's think of a better witty death quip for knocking on the door of the ogre encampment. Well, like, my yeah. thought was if they'd given you an option to sneak in as opposed to batter down the door. Because batter down the door is obviously going to make more sense than not. Oh, I don't like, care about dumb deaths. Noise, I just want it to be right? a better quip. Okay, so, okay. so here's the basement. Yeah. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ogre, ogre who, you're dead. <laughs> That's the basement we go up from there. All right. that, that's not bad. The no. style of death things is usually a bad pun. So something with ogre instead of over. Yeah. Uh, I guess you were a little ogre eager. There you yeah. go. Yeah. You got it. Ogrely familiar with them. Nah. Something in that vein, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, to be fair, those quips are awesome. But it bothered me more 
that that seemed like the best choice you could make given the two choices. Right. I guess but... you were knocking on heaven's door. Oh, <laughs> oh that hurts my also heart. Also good. <laughs> Knock, knocking on ogre's All right. door. <laughs> now it's lavish praise upon this thing. Okay. Um, but I'll reset all my praise, which is that they, the effort is clear. They put in a lot of effort. They were clearly like experimenting with what they could do and stretching their boundaries with what they were comfortable doing with the ZZT engine. And the things that they put the effort into are functional and like not, not badly done. It's just that like you put a whole lot of work into an RPG engine that really had no place being in this game and mm-hmm. didn't benefit anything. Mm-hmm. Or like... Yeah. You added this like detailed map thing, but I would rather have been able to talk to a few more people or whatever. Anyway, but no, no, the the effort was clear, the enthusiasm was clear, and just kind of like that youthful, youthful amateur enthusiasm has some charm. Yeah, you know, and as far as praise goes, like, just I liked that they made this. They made so many references to the King's Quest games. I, I, you know, like I said, I wish they had flavor of King's Quest games. I think they tried. I don't think they got all the way there. Yeah, but I think their goal most was... Of the time. It's like, here's this place. Mm-hmm. Right. But it doesn't have the flavor, you know. But uh, I think they they had a goal, but they also want to do this D&D kind of like top-down DMing thing. And that's that's whatever. But I really admired that... You know, they created all of these areas and they wanted you to go to all of them and do things in a specific order. And they kind of, like I said, my favorite part was when you were going through the cave in the dark and you had to relight the torch and you had to shoot everybody. Because most other areas you could just avoid enemies. Those points where there was tension was good and the point where you like, I guess especially when you come to Manon's castle and you see him as a cat because you turned him into a cat that was a great reference right and then you have to fight him as a cat but he's still a powerful sorcerer that's fucking hilarious also the that, chickens that being dead because you weren't there to take care of the chicken like there were some I feel like all the best little bits are up there around right? the King's Quest 3 area yeah that's really what it was but like there were some very good references you know and there were some like fun surprising points of the game too it's just, I wish mechanically it had been a little tighter. Um, there's a point when you go to the center village and it's like the center tells you that you can't do something until you talk to another centaur, but it doesn't actually work until you've done something later in the game. So, like, I kind of wish the game had directed you in the right path in the first place, but assuming you follow the path the creator intended, the game functions pretty well. Playable. So, it's playable, yeah. <laughs> it works. So, I was a kid that instead of paying attention, I spent most of my time programming my TI-83 in high school. Mm-hmm. TI-83 Plus, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was already in the mindset of someone looking at a limited uh, programming suite and trying to come up with something interesting. And I, I was looking at that with that game with, the, with those eyes, and I was actually really impressed with a lot of things that they did. Because mm-hmm. they had very simple triggers they, they can use, very simple... Um, uh, items, uh, a set, set amount of objects and items they could use and try to f- figure out, f- they had to figure out a way to reshuffle them and redisplay them. And I think they did some fun things. Like at one point, there was a bush that you pushed aside to find a passageway. Mm-hmm. And using the passageways to do things like, um, like you talk to the to the cleric and the cleric starts to fight and it moves aside and you move to a passageway and that starts the, uh, the fight area. Right. And that was oh, the area, yeah. The area they set aside for the fight. What they I actually like did that. for that was uh, 
questionable, but <laughs> I actually like that you got a you got an opportunity to save before each boss fight mm-hmm. because they were like move into this passageway or move into this before you start. That was a nice thing. Using an opportunity to save that was really good. Yeah, the ZZT engine gives you no tools to make the <laughs> yeah. player go somewhere. Like you can't teleport like, them I could anywhere. Tell that. So it's like if you yeah. need them to go somewhere, you have to like make them go into the passage or whatever. Yeah. That was really <laughs> good though. Like they utilized that super well. And uh, we mentioned it before, but they used what creative programming process that they had to make cutscenes, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. really fun. <laughs> Where yeah. like, you, you went up and they kept you in a little box and you moved, and that triggered the cutscene, and they had this whole ASCII uh, diorama basically play out. And then you watch it, then open the door, and let you go to the passageway to the next scene. Now, that was a pretty established CCT mm-hmm. thing, but I don't remember the timeline. This might have been relatively early usage of it. Mm. I'm pretty sure it was a very early RPG fight engine, and I think that's mm. probably the most like innovative thing here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, like it's that thing where restriction breeds creativity, right? And that's so it's cool. always fun to see people yeah. getting around what they're not able to do and figure out what they right. can do. It's also one of those... Um, like you talk about standing on the shoulders of giants from a technological standpoint, like mm-hmm. send a person, sorry, send a person into the forest and see how long it takes for them to come back with a microchip. This is one of those things where if you were looking at the at that suite of tools at that time, would you have been able to come up with this solution? Because like once you've seen that, then it's like, oh yeah, of course you, you can do that. Right. But just being able to figure it out whole cloth, because we did refer to them as like authors. Yeah. But like with authors. Writing is an established art form that's been around for, you know, tens of thousands of years. You could you argue that certain styles have been invented and disappeared, and some are brand new. I wonder how long writing has actually been around as like writing fiction or writing narratives. But with things like game programming, like that was an art form that had spawned like five years before. Mm-hmm. So it had mm-hmm. everything had to be discovered whole cloth. Yeah. And it was interesting to watch that process. Right. And, and so all I'm saying is that I don't know which things they got from someone else and which things they innovated, but yeah. I, I, I know there was innovation there. Yeah. And like, it's, it is very cool. Yeah. And I think we can close this out then. Um, next week, Tori, I think you are not available. Is that right? That is true. We're taking the opportunity to talk about. Another, you know, super popular franchise that's going to pull in all of the views, just like a lot of things we've done recently. Yeah, we're, we're crunching the, the numbers and the look at the heuristics. And, uh-huh. the... and I think Anne of Green Gables is what's going to, you know, make us hit the big time. It's the hot topic. Right. I mean, there's that new TV show. Uh, Anne there is? Anne with an E, yeah. Yeah. But there's an Anne of Green Gables TV show. Uh, there's been multiple Anne of Green Gables TV shows, but there's well, one. I, yeah. no, like a recent one. Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, fascinating. There's also some relatively recent, like, what was it? There was a, a fan sequel written, but kind of too recently. There was an anime based on that, and so it's a prequel to Anne of Green Gables. Anne of Green Gables is a lot more popular than I uh, actually thought it's it was. Popular. So there you go. Well, we're going to be reading yeah, an Anne of Green Gables yeah. fanfic called A Little Romance. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrromance. Is that a genfic? <laughs> it is not. And I'm very sorry to report that it is heterosexual romance between a canon couple. And at that yeah. point, I'm like, what's even the point of fan fiction? <laughs> like, Truth. I'm sure you'll find something with a continuity to, to, to complain on. about. Or, yeah. <laughs> Well, I was looking for well-regarded things, and 
um, you know, it's not like it's a fandom that has its own website. So I had to dig around on fanfiction.net. And this seems to have been a relatively well-regarded, well-commented fanfiction.net story. And, um, you know, I have a great, a great uh, track record with trying to find things that seem like they must have been well-received on fanfiction.net and having them be good. I'm going in with low expectations is what I'm saying. Good to hear from the person choosing the fanfics. Well, you know, one of the key things of our format is I just do not pre-read things. Occasionally, it's things I've read before, but that's the most that I do. And I like to think that makes it more of an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to pick on bad works, but, you know, if we knew that everything we read was going to be actually quality, then, you know, wouldn't we just kind of... Take it all for granted? No. Well, I'm the kind of bright and cheery person where if I went into that situation, I'd be looking for a way to tear them all down. Mm, There you go. (laughs) So I'm making you appreciate the other works more by throwing in the occasional dud. Makes it seem more real. We find something good. (laughs) That will be episode 71 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, if all goes as planned. As for this, this was King's Quest ZZT, a ZZT engine fan game of the King's Quest series, more or less, by Hydra and Mebo. You can find, uh, published in 1996 is what I said, right? Uh, seven? I, I closed the, the website. <laughs> Need some help? <laughs> published in the cold, harsh light of... 1990-something. 1990-something. In the neon light of 1997. <laughs> <laughs> neon light. Yeah, something like that. 97, right. I'm going to provide the link to the online, you know, DOSBox run version of it that Tori managed to get to work at bit.ly slash RFR King. Just one king. <laughs> the quest of a king. I have to say, I don't I know if the music was that bad in other versions, but it was, uh, I had to turn it off. It was very bleep bloop. That's, that's all you can do in, in CCT. Very bad noise. Sorry, your majesty. Did not like noise. The voice acting was also way below par for a King's Quest. <laughs> the intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, or if you want to urge us to actually do a franchise that anybody, you know, cares about in 2020, please contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. You can also contact us on, what have we got? Uh, Twitter? Twitter. I said Twitter. Oh. Uh, Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective. We've got our Facebook at Retrofanfic. And you can also leave comments or reviews on the podcast service that you use, whichever one that may be. You can probably leave comments there. We even got a comment on a YouTube video. Oh, yeah. For that, the first time. Yeah, that was super nice. At first, I was like, this comment is too generic. Is it from a bot? But it does not appear to have been from a bot. <laughs> it appears to have been from an actual uh, YouTube user who uses YouTube. And now you have just insulted our <laughs> fan who commented. <laughs> well, I, I was suspicious because they called us wholesome. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, we are not wholesome. <laughs> we're, no, we're super wholesome. Are you kidding? Like, no. so much of, you know, fanfic discussion would be like, oh, look at this goofy, terrible thing. And we're, like, seriously talking about, you know, well, stuff mostly semi-seriously. No, we're, we're reasonable and kind, but I don't know if that means we're wholesome. No, we're rude, crude 90s kids. <laughs> well, it was a comment on the 
um, Xena episode. On the Xena episode. Yeah. So, like, we had the all dogs are gay aside. That's pure <laughs> yeah. and wholesome, right? Yeah. Sounds wholesome to me. <laughs> I think that was a pretty wholesome episode, though. Yeah. Yeah, because we were all like, oh, it's so great that this is such a, like, cuddly series. It's just, I feel like I associate wholesome not with, like, all dogs are gay. But all right. <laughs> I'll be wholesome if you want me to be. I'm sure. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three wholesome Earth life forms trying <laughs> to be nice to each other. Should that have been trying to be wholesome to each other? Would that have been better? It's up to you. We'll never know. <laughs> Until next time, take care. So what was your high score? <laughs> oh, yeah. What was Didn't my high attention. score? Mine was 3,733. Oh, I got to look it up. I could load it up and check. I got to look it up. Yeah, go check. Oh, no, it's not my computer. 3,474. Mm. 3,716. 3,733. Whoa. <laughs> oh. You are the master of King's Quest CZT. <laughs> yes, you are. Cool. Master and or mistress. What is the gender neutral word? Re- region commander. another play sometime if we want what other play fan fiction are there a like the 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 high school i was at was going to be putting it on it's short it's a play it's based on the odyssey Hmm. but like with a um kind of refugee theme it's steampunk theme (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah the fun thing is it's only like half based on the odyssey but it says like you know based on the odyssey or whatever which makes it like you can't read it without thinking about the odyssey you're not going to, you know, like you read it in reference, in conversation with the Odyssey. Are we counting things based off the Odyssey as fan fiction? Yeah, because the Odyssey is enough of a text, not like a set of texts. Amato, is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou fan fiction? Uh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting because like the more it is a retelling directly, mm-hmm. the less it feels like fan fiction to me. Like, the more they take it in a different direction, the more it's... And I mean, I know, like, there's the setting thing, but, it's, like... It's an AU odyssey. It's an AU odyssey, yeah. No, that, you're right. That's very fan That's correct. It is, it is, it is. <laughs> I just, I'm not... I just have, like, AUs. <laughs> I guess I should say the more it's a retelling, the less I'm personally interested in it. But that doesn't mean it's not fan fiction. That makes sense. <laughs>